<clears throat> okay. Hello, everyone. We're back with Nobody's News Podcast number three. And I'm here with my host, Will. And, uh, well, we, we both, we both host, we both host the show, essentially. Uh, I don't know, you know, we try to do everything in a real egalitarian way. There's no, you know, everyone's got an equal voice as long as you're, you know, willing to meet people on a level playing field. Anyways, we really appreciate everyone that's, uh given support to the podcast and listened in and uh, we're really I think we're both pretty motivated to keep going and um, let's I want to start I want to start the podcast with going through uh, comments that people left just because I really appreciate people that take the time to leave things in um I do want to, is key. I do I do want to give a shout out to people in the nobody general on 4chan. Uh, I would like to reply to your comments. I know there was some, but um, on, honestly, I haven't had the time to go through it, but uh, I appreciate our listeners that are from there. So I'm not gonna read out any names of the comments. I'm just gonna address the comments and quickly read uh, some that are here. Uh, someone left a Latin phrase, Nemo immune me lacessit was a tattoo my rival and friend had on his arm. Nemo, no one attacks me with impunity. Early on in my gang stalking, I told them I was Nemo. This was 2008. I don't speak as the only nobody, meanly, merely the first. Though I think gang stalking has been perfected before now. Uh, what, you know, I, you know, honestly, I've kind of been avoiding the the gang stalking issue. What, yeah. <laughs> what, what? What what like I I hate to I hate to put you on the spot right at the beginning of the show, but what like what do you uh, what's what, how how what what do you uh, say to people that come well, at first, you about gang stalking? I, I for me first I I have noticed yet yeah, that there uh, is a uh, a concerted effort to explain away things that uh, have a practical application. Uh, our government randomly has utilized many tactics that they were not allowed to employ in the citizenry that they do. Uh, for instance, uh, gang stalking, I believe, is dismissed as something that now, uh, you know, a secret society somehow wants to know what your cat's, you know, dinner uh meals are every night going through your trash you know and i think from just understanding the things that i was involved with that you know every conspiracy theory essentially has a grain of truth in it always because of the design and that most if you under you know now conspiracy theorists have been proven right that the majority of conspiracy theories are called a conspiracy theory by the government to cover up what they're doing and from that perspective uh Gang stalking 
to me is one of those aspects that when it comes to surveillance state, the the fifth estate or the fifth column, you know, you had the fourth column, we have a fifth secret column, uh, and that gang stalking is not only real, but that being able to employ these psychiatric and psychological operations on a massive scale, we would never be able to understand how intricate these operations are until you've been part of them and get that you know what one person is dismissing as gang stalking is essentially their uncle vino over there is running a little side bookie racket you know and the government knows about it and uh you know so when you have criminal criminal enterprises that are operating you know there is a network uh a threat matrix that they have Put out, you know, for each person and who their contacts are, who they see regularly, who they, you know, uh, call regularly, and those AI algorithms now have, you know, pretty much honed in on, you know, who's doing what, when, and where, and why, and you have, therefore, that actionable intel that they act upon against these enterprises that they know are doing illegal things and they do it to put pressure on them make them crazy make them slip up you know uh flexing in a way just to let them know hey we know what you're doing and there is a system you know a systematic uh um would be the word uh well not only systematic surveillance but if you understand how AI works in it, you know, in its totality, uh, gang stalking happens to you every day when you get on your phone, when you, every time you get on your device, literally every website you go to gang stalks you. So, and then on top of that, every app that you're on gang stalks you, that is where we come, you know, back to, uh, the whole, uh, section 230, uh, propaganda with the Trump administration. People don't understand Section 230 was put in place to protect little websites from the government. But the irony that the government is the one that was censoring the very websites like Twitter that were a and and Facebook, which if you understand what Facebook was, it's DARPA. What's DARPA? DARPA is the, again, agency we talked about that invented the internet and yada, yada, yada. But the point is, is that before the day before Facebook launched, DARPA just coincidentally ended their digital social media project called LifeLog. Not a coincidence, all right? And when that happened, that whole gang stalking aspect, people don't realize you put all of these things on social media, what you're eating, where you're at, who you're with, what time, and you don't get that those things can be used against you to to gang stalk you and that if you really start to dive into that rabbit hole you know like you said we don't have enough time on this uh, on this show to even entertain all of the different eventualities that come out of those things that people never put into you know that into that box where literally you have the government creating a problem that they therefore already have the solution to, which is what Trump was playing into. And people didn't understand that. That's why I had published that about section 230, because again, it was designed to protect little websites from the government, government censorship, preventing the government or other big conglomerates. Uh, and that section 230 
if you understand that, you know, literally Facebook was a DARPA project, you know, Twitter, DARPA project contracted. What they do is they contract out the social media companies, these uh, data mining companies. They contract them through the government so that the government can infringe on our Fourth Amendment right to privacy, but they'll contract out that to a third party in exchange for loopholes and tax breaks. And then those contracting companies are infringed on our civil liberties. Mm -hmm. And so back to the gang stalking, that is where all of this foundational aspect comes back into play where you have to understand that that surveillance state's real and that not only is it real, but that those Cold War tactics of you know trailing and, and, and surveilling someone and tracking them that when they train for that, they use the American public to do this. And a good example of that is that there was a an incident in 2002, right after September 11th in North Carolina, and it involved a, a, a team of special forces soldiers who were training during an operation for their, what's known as field training exercise graduation. It's called Robin Sage. Mm -hmm. And two officers were shot and killed by a deputy sheriff in uh, a town outside of, or I'm not going to say, but the point is, is that uh, this operation was conducted for decades with no issues. The entire town outside of this training area is involved. They get paid to be involved. And if you know how if you know how uh, the way that you know september 11th had changed you know the world this deputy was you know in that mindset after you know the worst terrorist attack that was allowed allowed to happen in history had taken place and he sees a bunch of guys off in the wood line you know uh looking suspicious and he didn't know any better he was not in on you know what was going on he was either from another county or new i cannot i you know I, I don't remember the exact circumstances um at that time i was you know getting ready for another deployment and whatnot so it was i didn't have time to really look into that but point is is that that in, the entire town is involved these guys are allowed to commandeer vehicles they're allowed to you know, go into their houses, break into their houses, steal supplies, and the town understands this. They get reimbursed. It's part of the entire operation, uh, the part of the entire operational uh, tempo, you know, to keep it as real and lifelike as possible. Now, there's other operational <clears throat> FTXs that involve civilian populations that are involved that I won't speak about and I won't say their locations, but point is, is that if you understand that these things really do happen in a real world tactical scenario all the time playing out across, you know, my country where it's supposed to be illegal, then you understand that again, the surveillance state perpetuates itself. They allow them to be able to uh, to do this is, you know, the the idea of being, well, if you don't get caught, you know, that's kind of the point, then you're, you're really good at it, right? You know, and uh, they're, what better training scenario than, you know, than that, where it's literally baptism by fire. Yeah. And 
<clears throat> I just want to add to that is one of the reasons why I haven't specifically ever addressed gang stalking on the podcast, any of them, is because I feel like that specific term gang stalking is uh, a manufactured term the way conspiracy theorist is. Like they maybe you might have heard the theory that conspiracy theorists came out of kind of the Cold War era or after World War II just to kind of uh, corral in and gaslight people that were that were questioning, you know, the popular narratives of the day. And I feel like gang stalking is a term that's been, uh, you know, used to support these kind of popular narratives of uh, gang stalking victims being people, you know, looking out the blinds at some people that's walking their dog too often by their window and, you know, things like that. Right. And, and it, it, it kind right. of tries to distract people from the gang stalking that's going on on them day to day, every second of the day through every interaction they have with technology and with people that they talk to and um exactly so let me uh before we start really getting into the meat of the podcast let me uh read off one more comment and um so uh you know it it takes a long time to ever explain what the nobody is in terms of the lore and the different uh stories that have been on GLP or 4chan's X, but here's a comment saying the nobody is really a story about anyone who has experienced transformation that has allowed him or herself to peer beyond the veil of duality as fractal representations of unity consciousness. This character gives others an unpopular perspective through which one can internalize their own reality without judgment or expectation for a desired outcome. The nobody is a silence outlier that has done the research and applied critical thinking to his or her own paradigm of reality that posits anachronistic correlations between seemingly unrelated ideas and events. Hmm. So <laughs> I think that's a good point. Yeah, eloquent and inspiring. I think there's a that that also relates to something I wanted to touch on is the reason why the, even though we're called the nobody's news, we're I don't think this podcast is ever gonna be endorsing a singular nobody. Just for you know, for reasons we can't get into, but I really like the way that person put, um, put that. That's a really quick thing to, um, way to explain it. We can't, we can, we're not really going to dissect it just because, uh, it's, it's such a big, um, big, uh, topic, but, uh, let's, let's, uh, move on to, Something that's pretty breaking and is an ongoing situation that's pretty volatile in the U.S. Um, So in Texas, I think anyone who 
kind of pays attention to, you know, uh, news sites and information gathering hubs knows that Texas has had a little issue with uh, their National Guard having conflicts with preventing uh, Border Patrol from uh, doing what was supposedly their uh, normal business of assisting people with traversing an illegal crossing. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start off with this is because, um, you know, obviously we're going to talk about this conflict between the federal government and the states, but I don't want it to be lost that there's human lives in the middle of the situation. And that I don't know how how deep we're going to get into it, but I do feel like there's people, you know, from South America or Mexico that are have been manipulated and are pawns in kind of a weaponized humanitarianism going on. And there's. There's definitely victims everywhere in this aspect, it's sad. And so, uh, so Will, if you could, if you could start us off with the, the main thing that I wanted you to, uh, tell our listeners about was I haven't heard anything about what is the, how did, like, what is the connection between Texas and Miami? I mean, uh, Florida and the other states that are kind of um, joining in with the efforts to resist, like I said, this weaponized immigration and using these people as pawns. Well, having lived in both states for a substantial amount of time, I knew from what I had seen personally firsthand on the border that there was going to eventually be a standoff involving Texas, not their National Guard. You have to understand Texas is one of two states that has their own army. Mm. That is their own personal army because Texas was a republic before and they have their own military college, war college, everything. Oh, I and see. So that is exactly, that is one aspect that people cannot anticipate in the propaganda that they're being fed because they are assuming that, you know, this was Texas National Guard. No, mm. there are elements above that are operating and then it's by design, it compartmentalizes the federal government out of the command control of the government governor by design it's beautiful it's how a republic is supposed to operate that's what makes us a constitutional republic uh and and to realize what the governor did is substantial there was a section of the uh rio grande there that was open and being used by border patrol border patrol to bring across 
uh, these migrants. And when the governor instituted his policy of reinforcing the border with razor wire, floating barriers and whatnot, Border Patrol began sabotaging those areas and then setting up staging in those areas, specifically flexing in front of you know, the Texas National Guard that was there to augment and assist. And there became this rift where for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So every time the Border Patrol would sabotage one of these aspects that they had instituted and flexed, uh, the governor did the right thing, tried to appeal, tried to take the legal as, you know, the the legal high road, and I don't advocate for what is taking place now um, just because, again, like you said, there is there is that the, the humanitarian aspect of this, you know, where I, I appreciate and respect, you know, human life, um, but there comes a time when you have to pick a side, you know, and from this aspect, understanding the weaponized immigration uh, tactic that's being deployed, uh, it's what's not being talked about here that the Texas governor is trying to, I believe, make apparent is that this systematic uh, offensive that's taking place against their defenses that Texas has put into place uh, there is so much more to it involving just not just the human trafficking angle, but that there is an organ harvesting trafficking operation taking place through this that people don't get. Uh, those victims, you know, uh, it's it, it's unimaginable if you can, you know, really go through and look at these individual, what they call on-spot they give them an interview, you know, they ask them how much they paid, how they get here, what flights they took. So these interviews now, when you start digging into them, you start seeing a pattern. And uh, from, from, now, uh, from now on, Texas has wanted to gain control of that intelligence and because they realized that they were only getting spoon-fed uh, things that would be tactically sound for, you know, their fellow countrymen, you know, to know these things so that these National Guardsmen don't get hurt, so they can understand what they're exactly dealing with. Instead, Border Patrol has been purposely pigeonholing that intelligence that they should be sharing. So instead of, you know, working as a team and everybody getting to look at the same page, instead, you know, they're only getting fed a line here and there. So the, the governor of Texas was like, okay, well, you want to start playing games? We're going to play games back. And so one particular staging area that they that the Texas National Guard had tried to uh, fence off and, and reinforce, Border Patrol would not let them. So Texas, being the apt, uh, able-bodied Americans that they are, they're like, all right. So they, uh, they, they came in with National Guard. And they secured that area. They pushed Border Patrol out. They reinforced that area. And they told Border Patrol, don't come back. That was, And the name of that 
staging area was, I believe, Rose Park or Rosa Parks, Rosa Park or something, which, again, if you understand, you know, is that real? Is that by design, Rosa Parks? If you understand the uh, civil rights movement movement here in America, she was uh, the lady that was uh, the one that stood up and refused to sit at the back of the bus. Well, so, again, is this orchestrated? Now circle back to the next aspect of this next phase. You have Florida has now, uh, at the behest of Governor DeSantis, who is running for president, he has pledged to send troops to the border to help the Texas National Guard reinforce their their positions against the Border Patrol and to augment any uh, safety, you know, uh, medical uh, or uh, interdiction operations that would need to take place. Uh, and safety operations are really significant. People don't get that. This was another key point the governor of Texas wanted to distinguish was that they have their own Navy on the border, right there, ready mm. to go, and that they do things in perpetuity, you know, on a time schedule for a reason, you know, uh, to, you know, to make sure that people are safe and that they were being prevented from being able to do their due diligence. Uh, and that common courtesy that used to be understood between you know federal and state law enforcement wasn't even being extended to our own veterans, which is an insult in and of itself. And uh, and so again, there's multiple layers here that you know that the media is not going to report on, and they're refusing to report on because again, they want you to focus on Rosa Park you know, where this uh, incident initially took place and, uh, you know, to understand now that the state of Arkansas has pledged to send troops to Texas, all right? That's unheard of. That headline has not been written since 1860s. Do you understand that? And that is significant, you know, that we have multiple states now sending troops to help the governor. And they're not exaggerating that we can get into the hyperbole of, you know, uh, off the mic, you know, off the record, hot mic moments involving President Biden saying he's going to use F-16s and F-15s to, you know, uh, to augment the Border Patrol's offensive to take back the border. Could that be AI? Could that be manufactured propaganda to incite a civil war? Yeah, probably. You know, and if it's true, then guaranteed yeah most definitely mm. uh and so i having lived there uh on the border and understanding what we're dealing with you know you have to understand i i like i said i i underestimated uh how bad this was gonna get uh at this point right now and when i say underestimated what i mean is that when I say the Rosa Parks PSYOP is a thing, I believe that this could be used as a means in which to lock down the country to prevent travel, to prevent those troops from going to Texas, using either COVID as a guise to, you know, uh, to stifle, you know, the momentum of what's taking place right now. But it's happening. It's about to go down no matter what. 
and I, again, see only one of two options. You know, it's either going to be a lockdown under the guise of COVID or, uh, you know, they're going to initiate uh, their own Samson option um, where it's going to be, you know, uh, every man for himself and uh, the billionaires are already building their bunkers. Everyone keeps saying, don't worry, Mark Zuckerberg's bunker is not going to be done. Uh, done for completion uh, and operational capacity ability is not uh, uh, capable for at least seven years. That's how long it's going to take to build it. So we got at least seven years. Is that propaganda? You know, is that is that propaganda in and of itself? The fact that we're even hearing that he's got a bunker, you know, uh, is 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 something that you need to read into in and of itself. You know, that means his bunker's already been built. You know, uh, is what I believe. Uh, but point is uh, so, that, well, oh. point is for me that uh, knowing that if that lockdown does take place, um, we, I believe, need to talk about steps people can take to mitigate it, uh, a way to stress, you know, uh, uh, in order to have a stress-free uh, second pandemic uh, lockdown would be uh something we can not only achieve here uh you know, i want to say stress-free but stressless it's stress i don't know whatever moral of the story is just the idea of thinking about another lockdown about to take place here uh under the guise of again either covid or war with iran or uh whatever you know whatever little psyop or false flag that they're going to want to pull out that i it's it's if it was going to happen it's going to happen now yeah. so where do you think we should go with this as far as stress uh in mitigation techniques or uh you know positive uh positive steps we can take in order to prepare or at least you know put the narrative out there for others to understand you know uh, why they need to pay attention to this second lockdown because i believe that like you said me and you talked about you also believe that the second lockdown is going to be the last one we believe there's not going to be another one after this because this is going to be the last one yeah i <clears throat> yesterday we were uh we had a chat just talking about what we were going to do with the podcast and <clears throat> one of the things that i had mentioned was that um uh not just the u.s but canada and western nations are there's a full spectrum war going on on the population and it's it's coming at everyone from so many different directions i mean we that's that's been kind of a theme that's been running through stuff that we've been talking about in terms of stuff that that we think people should be aware of and you know it goes from um, you know, this disease X and the, these new lockdowns that people have been talking about that are coming. It goes through mm -hmm. uh, weaponizing, like I said, these weaponizing humanitarianism. That's like a, that's the, the term that keeps coming up in my head. And not only that, but we're going to eventually touch on um, the drug trade. And how it's, you know, moved from, you know, a cottage industry to it's an industrial uh, tool of war now. 
and so there's been uh, there's been different people doing investigative journalism that have uh, touched on the fact that there's countries that are using uh, addiction as a as a tool to you know uh, weaken and uh, destabilize populations. But anyways, uh, before we get into all of that, I definitely want to get into a little bit of how I had a comment that someone left about the podcast about um, that, you know, we talk about a lot of heavy things. We talk about a lot of um, maybe <laughs> worrying things. And maybe I, I take for granted that, you know, me and you, I think are people that already have a, you know, we have routines and we have things we do to de-stress and to decompress and kind of, you know, cleanse stress and, you know, uh, kind of not let all of these heavy topics and the doom and gloom that we get into, you know, weigh, weigh us down in our day-to-day lives. And, Definitely. and so I just want to talk about um, some things people can do to feel like they're maybe uh, doing things that can push back against all of the <laughs> the darkness that's oppressing <laughs> oppressing the population. And one of the main things I would tell people is that uh, if you have any kind of inclination to do creative things, you know, whether it's something like what we're, we're doing podcasting or, you know, art or poetry or, you know, making documentaries or photography, absolutely any kind of creative endeavor. Um, I just would want to encourage anyone to take the first step of just putting their things out there, showing people things. And, uh, I know I'm a little bit of a hypocrite about this because I'm such a hermit, but also just uh, getting to know people in your community, being more open with people that you interact with and um, making sure that you have some kind of network of people that you can go to that are, that you trust and that you can, uh, you know, share, share what your, uh, what your ideas are with I yeah I hate to be all corny about it but really like a local community you know even if you live in the city you know say hi to the people that are in your apartment building you know invite people for uh, you know a dinner or something like that just try to make you know positive connections with people that because in any kind of big disaster that could be coming or any kind of uh like we're saying uh last lockdown or such really one of your biggest saving graces could be people that you've said hi to that you were friendly with when you were passing by on the street or you know maybe a cashier at the grocery store that you you know take a second to do more than just wave to you know yeah, those are just my thoughts on that. 
but yeah, for me, even, you know, the community that I'm in, you know, there's a, you know, a general consensus that, you know, there will not be another lockdown. I don't believe that when I say it's going to be the last lockdown, I say that because I believe they're going to attempt it. And I don't believe that it's going to be successful. And, uh, and not only do I not believe it's going to be successful, but to your point, you know, being able to go outside, you know, these things that we take for granted every day, you know, in the event of an emergency, you know, understanding from you know, my personal experience, you know, there's not going to be anything open, you know, the only light that's going to be on is going to be your local church, you know, the irony, you know, and uh, your, 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 your local FEMA camp, you know, here in America. Uh, but, you know, to understand the lockdown procedures that took place, you know, pre-COVID are happening again. And uh, this disease X is making uh, its rounds. Uh, the irony that they don't even want to give this one a name because they learned from last time, oh, they're going to follow the paper trail. We can't do that. We're just going to call it disease X. And so you have these multiple variables that are coming into uh, play now. And I've always anticipated their contingency on this. They understood, you know, that they're only going to get, you know, one shot at this. And if they can per- keep perpetuating the you know, the, the propaganda narrative, the only way to stop that, to combat that, is to shut your TV off. That's what I did, you know, and uh, it paid dividends. It literally reduced my stress in half just because I realized that everything I was consuming through TV, through, you know, social media, through, you know, these reels and TikTok, you know, exposés, 30-second expose. They're all designed to perpetuate the other, and each argument's designed, you know, uh, for it to complement the other narrative that they're putting out. And you think that you're the smart one. Oh, I figured it out, you know, but you don't realize that, again, it's doing this to saturate you with so much that literally 30-second TikTok you don't even remember it 10 talks, you know, 10, 10 talks later, you know, you're not even contemplating that one, you know, because you've already been saturated to the point where, you know, you're on to the next, whatever they're trying to push on you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like, you know, our breaking news aspect about how we are able to incorporate the foundational, you know, narrative behind it, where it came from, why it was there, because, Again, there were other instances where Florida has sent National Guard to the border to help Texas before, but it was never in this capacity to defend the border against Border Patrol. The irony. And so I, uh, so I, I had made it a point with my children to not only shut the TV off, but to go outside and make it a goal for us to, you know, do something sports oriented, you know, whether it was playing soccer, skateboarding, you know, their scooters, whatnot. We did something always to mitigate that stress, especially during the pandemic. 
and to know that it's going to come back full circle now. This time, it's not a matter of if, but when. And to understand the way that they attempted it last time and to comprehend now that it's literally doing the same thing over, but this time it's going to be the last one. They're, they're only going to do this because the first time was a dry run. It was a way for them to assess who was going to be compliant, who was going to be obedient. They have a list. They've, they're checking it twice. They know uh, who's naughty and who's nice in their mind, and uh, you know uh, who's you know whose social credit score that you don't even understand has been a part of your credit report going on a decade, and to get uh, to get back to you know the the stress relieving aspect of all of this, we're gonna have to rely on those communities you know for me personally it's the church and it's the amish community and you know i i have found just doing the simple things you know we are going to be faced with two choices and the third choice is hidden by design because that's the solution. And they don't want you to understand that you have a third choice. Mm-hmm. They're only going to present you with two. And just like when it comes to our politicians, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you don't get that they're all controlled. You don't get to get to that stage. You don't get to get on that level unless you're not, unless you're controlled by someone. And they control those options so that you always only have two options. All right. And they make you think that you only have two options when in all reality, that third option is to just turn around and go back, go back to where we came from. And so for me, my community, the Amish community, just understanding that cultivating the earth is therapeutic in its own, in its own right, you know, that growing a plant, uh, producing, you know, your own food is something that will invigorate your spirit on a biblical level because it will reconnect you in a way that, again, we were meant to be connected. And that is why the pandemic and all of this isolationism is designed to take you away from these things that, again, you know, they are literally killing pets in China. You know, they want to do that here. That's going to be the next thing they're going to institute is that they're going to go after our animals. And that is what they're going to use as the next part of this contingency. If we don't comply, they're going to start going after the cattle, which they already are. Uh, but the point back to the Amish community, you know, and understanding that their way of life, you know, is going to severely be hampered by this. And that, uh, so for me personally, you know, this is one of those things that I'm already anticipating is being able to help them in whatever way possible, because nobody has an ad, you know, nobody advocates for them. There's nobody fighting on their behalf. And by their very nature, they don't fight as it is, you understand? So they need someone that's going to be able to realize and recognize that they're trying to make freedom illegal. And they're going to try to make their way of life illegal. And they're already doing it on a massive scale. And so we need to support our local Amish communities, our local Amish stores, because I can promise you, when Klaus's Schwab recipe, you know, their WEF bug recipe, when you're eating bugs, you're going to really wish you had that Amish store still open so you could get some nice organic food that was grown here. You know where it came from. It wasn't inoculated. And so these things, these stress-free 
uh, mitigation techniques, they can really all stem back to your diet, what you eat, how you consume it, you know, do not uh, imbibe in too much alcohol, uh, you know, because it's only going to make you angry. I used to have a joke about uh, drinking and driving is one thing. Drinking and GLPN is just <laughs> as dangerous. You got to be careful what you say on the internet because yeah, I knew you would have that. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely was guilty of drinking and GLPing <laughs> in the past. Oh, yeah. I knew you would love that, brother. I knew you would love that. And, uh, and so if I could leave you all with anything, that is my next, uh, you know, uh, foray into you know uh trying to be a better man is that i you know i'm going to make it a point as a new year's resolution that i have pretty much adhered to i will not drink and go and shit post on any websites <laughs> or shit post on any social media while i'm drinking i have responsibility to nobody's news now and you and our team you know, of nobodies. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to maintain this uh, resolution resolutely. And I hope you help me uh, achieve it. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's very, that's very wholesome of you. I'm glad that you're uh, really leading by example to be, uh, be healthy, <laughs> be focused. Try. Uh, so what I wanted to say too was, <clears throat> so we were talking earlier about, you know, kind of mental diet of really taking control of what you consume mentally, you know, what you take in in terms of what you, the kind of media that you consume. And uh, the other, the other thing that I wanted to um, kind of put down as a, as kind of an anchor of like what I feel like is a root of the podcast is uh, independence and self-reliance. And that's why I think it's good that you brought up the Amish again, because uh, around where I live here in Alberta, Southern Alberta, we have uh, Hutterites. They're uh, a you know group that's pretty similar to the Amish. Not they're not quite as strict with you know the low technology, but they they have kind of a similar way of doing things. And I always found it interesting how they really were able to, re me and, I mean, the Native American community and them really related to each other a lot and had a lot of, uh, they always got along well and were always really uh, cordial with each other because I think they both understood the same idea of, um, before we move on, I just want to kind of highlight this idea of being self-reliant and being able to put together a survival system that's completely independent of some kind of glo you know global conglomerate or yeah. some kind of huge you know national system of logistics that supports you know whatever community you're in. Whereas the Hutterites and the Amish and in the old days, Native Americans had systems where it was just your community had the capability to support themselves. And exactly. And, you know, I've been wanting to talk about this a little bit, but I, I feel bad because I know that there's people listening that, 
you know, just don't have the capability to, you know, be contributing to something like that or to be setting something up like that on their own. But it it really is something that I, you know, the cities in North America, I really think are going to get to the point where, you know, they're going to be ecosystems, you know, self-contained, and they're going to be totally different cultures in and of themselves. And in the future, I could see, you know, if you're not willing to keep up with the boosters, if you're not willing to, you know, <laughs> keep your paperwork up to date, you could be, uh, you know, exiled to the Badlands, <laughs> you know. Demolition man. Yeah, but uh, so let's, uh, I want to um, talk about one thing that I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, this is one of those delicate topics, but I've been wanting to deal with the drug trade on the podcast. I mean, not specifically just fentanyl, but just the idea of how the importation of drugs relates to warfare and that um like uh, just before we start uh breaking this down i whenever i talk to people about you know geopolitical things i don't ever pretend to be an expert on these kind of things. It's not, it's not my wheelhouse. You know, I went to school as a English major, but uh, one way that I've always found useful to think about things is to, um, you know, scale down issues uh, into, you know, say like a country, scale it down into a community. If you had, you know, a small town and you have things like, um, you know, uh, biological warfare going on. You have, uh, you know, uh, people migrating to your area looking for help. You know, that could be, you know, from uh, conflicts or just uh, fleeing from, you know, say, all, all sorts of things. Anyways, my point is, is that uh, the drug trade definitely seems like it's been turned into another part of warfare. And most definitely. And on, on my reserve here in Southern Alberta, Canada, um, when I was younger, I knew a lot of people that were involved in the drug trade. Uh, nowadays I don't, <laughs> I don't associate with anyone that does those kind of things, but I interacted with people that were from very far away. I interacted with people that were from Somalia, from Russia, that were in Canada because their organizations had branches on reserves. And because wow. and because of, you know, just growing up where I did and, you know, knowing people that were uh, involved in selling drugs, I, I've interacted with those people. So, um, 
I don't think it's a coincidence when I heard about um, there being possibly, you know, government-funded drug trafficking coming from China that, you know, these things are all, there's a, a web of essentially an undermining by chemical poisoning going on of our countries of Canada and the U.S. And like I said, it just, I'm, I'm trying not to go too far out, but it, like I said, it's its all part of this, like I said, full spectrum warfare. Right? Multiple angles uh, using, you know, legalized drugs from the pharmaceutical in- industry. Uh, specifically, the Clinton Foundation lobbied on behalf of uh, big pharma being allowed to use and regulate vaccines out of China uh, that were not that were not forced to you know adhere to such stringent <laughs> excuse me guidelines as uh, as America and so that was 2019. What's the chances that uh, they then therefore tried to mandate a ma- you know a vaccine uh, a year later you know they they always reveal their cards before they make their move uh fentanyl in this case would be one of those uh those drugs that it has a medical application it's used in hospitals to treat pain and the synthetic version of it which is highly you know, contagious or contagious, addictive, and uh, has a lethality purity that you know we would never you know subject anyone to. But you have you know these uh, drug addicts that they you know they can take a dose that would kill you or me, uh, and they develop a tolerance no different than you know drinking alcohol you know you go from you know a six pack of beer to now takes a case of beer to get drunk you know uh in that same respect uh these drug users uh you know they develop a tolerance and so they require you know uh a uh, uh something stronger something more powerful and china has provided it filled that void after uh, the Trump administration made it impossible for, you know, doctors to prescribe any type of pain medication. Well, there are people that are in pain. And so they have the solution baked into the problem already uh, in this same respect. And when you follow the money trail and you realize that, again, they profit from both sides, you know, and play both sides against the middle for those maximum profits, you know, they have produced medication for the side effects of the medication that they give you that you, you become addicted to, you know. And uh, so I had um, I had been part of multiple uh, training operations involving narcotics interdiction while I was in the military and then had uh become part of a a network that you know we had made it a point to try to take 
uh, every precaution in you know mitigating some of these eventualities we see we saw coming out of Afghanistan, protecting uh, opium, you know, uh, poppy producers, uh, you know, as an excuse to prop up, you know, the government, uh, the local governments, and you know, to to financially uh, use those uh, levers to try to control them and. I noticed that these excuses that were being used to allow these things to happen with our tax dollars being, you know, uh, utilized to try to, you know, play policeman in a, in a country that, you know, had not only the biggest drug trade, then you start to understand where that money is going, why it's allowed to be uh, allowed to be funneled through them in the first place. You know, we we were literally becoming security for, you know, drug dealers, you know, mm. in Afghanistan. And there were a lot of veterans that saw these things taking place and understanding, you know, the practice of bachi bachi, you know, where, uh, you know, these, uh, these drug lords and uh, even police force, even, uh, you know, even in their military, uh, these guys, they have a, a, a process that uh, is a rite of passage for boys where they're allowed to molest little boys up until the age of puberty. And it's a whole thing that they go through and we're not allowed to stop it. We're not allowed to prevent it because it's their custom, it's their mm -hmm. traditions. And so this excuse, you know, of allowing these things to take place, you realize that the sex trafficking, uh, uh, the sex trafficking uh, angle and the human trafficking angle and the narcotics trafficking angle—they all coincide, you know, coincide with one another and augment each other in a whole different aspect. To where, you know, I can definitively say now, with everything that I've you know come across and in, in my work that they use one side to watch the other um and it allows them to you know put money in places you know that greed has you know proven true over and over again throughout the centuries that this is no different it's industrial uh on its scale and they it, you know, they were able to weaponize it using the internet and being able to organize on a level that where, you know, for us to be able to combat it would require a, you know, a World War II effort. And they know this. And so instead, they've worked it from the other angle where they've paid off people to look the other way and then uh, commercialized it weaponized it and to the point where it, it it could be the case could be made that you know if bioweapons are being deployed on the public you know each individual person that comes across the border is a bioweapon in and of itself and that's how these bioweapons were designed to be employed knowing that it would play against the hearts and minds of us you know the 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 American citizenry, you know, and that was to use as a way to uh, create this caveat, you know, that would allow us to, 
you know, accept these people in under the guise of, you know, humanitarian, you know, efforts and humanitarian aid. And we don't know, you know, if when they're being vaccinated, are they being, you know, are they are they being inoculated, you know, when they come across? Most likely not. Um, and so you have to understand why are we allowed to have it both ways? And like in Canada, you know, before you can come in, you have to be vaccinated, or at least that was the case for the longest time. You know, why are these standards not the same for both? And if you look at how that hypocrisy and, and process of having it both ways actually proves that, again, there's an aspect of this we're not anticipating where is this all a facade, you know, to allow, you know, an invasion of bioweapons into, you know, the country. And, you know, we don't know what they're subjected to before they get there or, you know, are we being prepped for that? Are they testing the fence so that they can, you know, eventually do that, you know, without us noticing, you know, like I said, it, it creates this angle, this avenue that can be exploited. And for me to understand that there is no, uh, there's no other element here that would be able to combat something like this other than the truth and trying to expose it on this level. Mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> you know, I'm not, I'm not really much of a news hound. I don't monitor the mainstream news sources, but um, I would bet money that th- these things aren't in the news cycle. I mean, I, I know that the Texas uh, situation had a little bit of uh, attention, but I mean, I think, you know, there's a TV on at least one in my house that has the morning news on and I haven't heard anything about any, any of these things going on in the last few days. Um, so, yeah. uh, let's, let's take a five minute break here and, um, then we'll oh, intermission. Time. Yeah. We'll take a five minute intermission. Then we'll, uh, keep going here. All right, let me let me brother. let me pause Definitely. the bottle. <clears throat> okay, we're back here from the break, and I wanted to take a second to read another comment from one of our listeners. <clears throat> and like I said, I'll just uh, I'm not going to read any usernames just to protect the anonymity of our listeners because I never know, you know, you never know who wants to have attention and such. We're all nobodies. <laughs> yeah, we're all nobodies here. And that's not an insult. Okay, so our listener here says the concept of city manifested as a means to organize and therefore control human activity. If one were to take a look at the word, usurp, it is derived from the Latin herbs, which means city. Thus, the word itself is bound to a negatively oriented concept of taking something, i.e. free will, from someone illegally or by force. Reptilian Anunnaki occupation throughout the eons have corralled people into housing clusters, 
thereby minimizing the accessibility and quantity of arable lands to its inhabitants. If this planet is to overcome these tumultuous times, the human species must collectively band together to assemble a massive irrigation retrofitting project that will allow coastal waters to be shunted inland. There is no if this does not happen, then. The time is now, else we risk jeopardizing the propagation of the human species to the point of mass extinction. This is not the first rodeo for humanity, so to speak. You see, history books are written by the victors of war. Thus they decide what records to preserve and what to omit. Even events such as Noah's Flood allude to an extinction-level event that was predicated on the belief that the Elohim interbred with the sons and daughters of man, causing a rift in consciousness that led to the destruction of an entire species over and over again. This is our last rodeo. I hate to throw that <laughs> on you, but uh, if you would uh, like to respond to that that i think actually uh really did uh apply to maybe our i think it was our first podcast or maybe it was just, i can't remember the second but I, I don't know because we had the pre-show and then mm. the other one uh where we touched on the book enoch and uh where there was a uh council you know derived at the catholic church respectively the Vatican um, that had largely discredited the book of Enoch largely because it is the iteration that is the key between Judaism and Catholicism. It is the missing link that if you understand the Talmud and the Torah, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and if you look at the book of Enoch, and then there is the, like I said, the Sumerian tablets that are what we thought the oldest. And now we know those were the last chapter of multiple chapters that connected to these other sites that are being uncovered all over the globe now that literally proved that not only the book of Enoch was real, that exactly what he wrote, that there is a you know a a satanic luciferian if you want to go back into the iterations of the different names of the devil you know uh from lucifer to yaldabaoth to ball uh and there's literally a dozen you know uh different uh connotations from the uh different religious texts that all talk about it and then you go in and you realize they all complement each other i uh, i that was outstanding summation i don't know uh as far as the water irrigation um you know and and i think making it a point that you know water is going to be the next you know uh rush that they're using to control everything from you know uh the fluoride that's in your water to controlling your actual rainwater on your property, you have to understand there's a reason why water is a mechanism of delivery for medication. It's been used that way for a long time. It's highly controlled. And again, everyone 
that has understood the you know the premise of you know that ideology of you know it's supposed to be for our teeth since when does the government care about us you know uh they don't care if we have a nice smile you know uh in fact it's the other way around and uh so that pacification you know is there if you look at it it, it medically makes no sense anymore to do this you know now knowing what we know it makes no sense but who's making money off of it why are they making money off you gotta file the file find the financial trail but that might be anti-semitic you know or it <laughs> might be uh now, uh, you know, if you understand that this is Chinese Florida, we're not even going to get into that. But the point is, beautiful summation. I love where they made that a point. You have to focus on the water, and that's no shit, because that is where, like, my family personally, uh, my <clears throat> my mother has property that has a large tributary connected, uh, you know, to uh, the Amish who... Uh, they don't use, you know, any pesticide that are not controlled by Monsanto and if you understand what Monsanto is again the focus on that comment about not only the water but the the reptilian aspect you know in the Anunnaki and being able to apply that to theology uh if you look at how food is prepared uh to take it to the next level besides the water aspect of it uh just realizing that our food supply has been commandeered and poured out literally on a whole nother scale where they believe well as long as you put the ingredients on there that we're poisoning you with we're good because they know that you don't have the knowledge to understand what you're ingesting and they well you know we told you you know and but it's part of this ideology they could care less what really happens to you uh when it comes down to it when it comes to those aspects and you realize the kickbacks they're taking and uh that medically there's angles to this that are like i said by design to you know inhibit uh, medical conditions that they're going to profit off of that they're invested in. And there's no joke. It's a, the highly controlled, you know, technical, organized syndicate that is profiting off of our misery on a massive scale. And, uh, and like I said, their, uh, their comment is designed to describe this control system, this one world government, that there is a society that would need to create our own food supply for instance the amish if you understand you know that they're the jewish community they have what is known as their kosher food uh that is produced and slaughtered in a particular method with particular food it has to be a type of you know meat it has to go under ceremony uh the islamic tradition they have their preparation for food their tradition is called halal Right. Now, in the Amish community, in the Mennonite community, or the community that you spoke of, the men that's their Mennonite community, that's the Canadian of uh, mm -hmm. their uh, same uh, sectarian I, you know, ideology. But the point is, is that they have a food preparation technique that adheres to their religious beliefs also. And so for 
us to understand what this person was writing about. We need to be able to have our own system that we can subsist off of organically as a community to show each other this is how you're really supposed to live, how you're supposed to live off the land harmonically in a, in a positive manner, producing what you take and, you know, giving back in that same respect and that you have to understand that that is how society is supposed to be able to complement each other instead of complicate it, where we have now this weaponized, branded, commercialized, politicized, you know, uh, 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 mindset that has been used to divide all of us into little corners so that they can just keep making money off of us by design because they know where we're going to be and where we're going to be at and they're going to continue to orchestrate that and this is how we break up that divide and that person like i said focusing on the water is one of those key things where like i said now water even your rainwater they want and you don't own your own rainwater now here in america you're not free <clears throat> if you don't, can't even own your own rainwater and so uh, that was a beautiful comment. Thank you for making that, highlighting that. I really, that I, and the fact that you made it a point in, in, during intermission, you're like, I'm not even going to read it to you because I want to see how you reply. That was outstanding because you knew I was going to love that. That was outstanding. Thank you again. Yeah, I wanted, your, I wanted your first response because I knew if we, if I told you during our intermission, we would have <laughs> just started going into it right away. I, I don't want to, so I don't want to get too uh, health nerdy before we move on. But uh, so one of the things that I was kind of, um, I was sounding the alarm bell on for a while is the the idea of um, mineral stripping because of industrial farming and the idea that um, the stripping of minerals from soil was leading to mineral deficiencies in humans and that it was kind of happening uh, on a mass scale and that it was probably leading to um, all sorts of issues that are being, you know, muddled up under different kind of uh, excuses. And one of the ones uh, just yesterday was yeah, yesterday. I was talking to some people that I know from um, uh, GLP, Godlike Productions. And whenever I go in there, you know, every once in a while, uh, you know, you, <laughs> I, that sounds, that sounds like an insult. I'll just, let me reword yeah. that. Let me word, reword what I'm going to say. So, uh, so uh, often when I go on to GLP, when I have time to uh, go into a voice chat with the, the users from there, I often yeah. come into contact with some very, very smart people, people that are really knowledgeable about certain things. You know, you never know who you can run into on there. And so when I started yeah. talking to them about that issue, uh, there was something that I didn't hear about before was that, um, they claim that one of the other big effects from industrial farming was the reduction of beneficial bacteria in soil. And I kind of like was, I had a big, you know, dough moment, like, of course, like, why, how did I not think about that too? And it kind of clicked right. in my head. Why would, why would there be such a big push for 
pro and prebiotics in consumer goods. To me, it, it kind of made sense that it was maybe some kind of a half-ass preemptive, you know, uh, knee-jerk reaction of uh, some people uh, sounding the alarm saying, there's going to be waves of people suffering the effects of uh, messed up gut biomes. And, oh, someone, yes. and someone says, well, what can we do about it? And they say, well... There's not really too much we can do because it's a it's a matter of our foods having a total reduction in these beneficial bacteria. And they say, well, can people just eat a lot of yogurt? Can they drink kombucha? Can they can they take some? And it's like, well, I mean, you know, some some expert would be like, oh, maybe. I mean, that might help a bit, and that that might be where we're at. Yeah. Uh, dear God possesses the majority of your immune system your spleen when you manufacture antibodies and that is your reaction when you get a fever it's your body telling you that it's turned the furnace on to start manufacturing when it needs to manufacture and that your body will increase in heat as a means to signal the other uh cells it's it's so technical and to understand that it all starts in your gut and that that those probiotics you can artificially try to manipulate it but that is where again we keep going into this allopathic medicine that is derived you know from these technologies that believe you can put it in a pill form you know that was under rockefeller he and the Roosevelts, they realized, hey, we got we got a plethora of technologies during the Industrial Revolution. We'll focus on specific things like, you know, transportation, things like that. And then we'll control a lot of these other things like electricity and whatnot. But the point is, is that, that those microbiome that we all possess when we come into contact with people, we have by design, we have to be social people. We have to be interacting with one another. And it, if we don't, it puts our immune system at a disadvantage to those that do because they have more interactions. Their immune system is being exercised more, and so they're able to combat a lot of different ailments at one time because of their ability to come in contact with people in a sustained rate. And those probiotics are part of that ecosystem from everything from the bathroom to the fertilizer that you use for your crops. <clears throat> and it all plays a part from the person that picks it. You know, you make sure you want to what they want to wash their hands where now we have this completely sanitized germophobic society that doesn't realize that we are literally killing our own immune systems through our gut by doing this because our biome it is substantially even the microbes that are crawling on your face you know you have to understand that this mental illness that has taken over society they believe everything can be fixed with a pill where you can just take something you know eat more yogurt well it's got to be a specific type of yogurt it can't just be your regular yo plate it's got to be uh greek 
raw pasteurized the way that they make it it has to be or completely organic it cannot be homogenized and and now you can only get that guess what through the amish no coincidence and if you look at the uh, back again to the food supply like the way that we make bread is completely different than 50 to 100 years ago in just its processing where we use i believe don't you know don't quote me i'm no expert on making bread now in the new <laughs> way but they use like bromide or i can't believe i can't remember what it's called it's called bromide or something along those lines uh bromine bromine something like that where it it sets the bread and allows it to stay fresh longer. It's a, essentially a preservative versus what we used to use is iodine, which was part of your essential diet, and that your thyroid needs that in order to augment that. Without that, again, that goes right back to your gut bacteria. If you don't have something as essential as iodine, but again, your gut bacteria is being wiped out by all these preservatives because they don't know what to do with it. They have no way... And so, like I said, that's why fat people look, they're different fat now. They're, it's, it's, that's where the obesity comes in because those preservatives, your body, those free radicals, there's no way to get rid of them. And we've been allowed to be poisoned like that on purpose for profits, just in the same way that now instead of using fluoride, they're using, you know, synthetic Chinese fluoride, which is a byproduct of, you know, of manufacturing and, and, it's insane that we're 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 being pacified on that scale, chemically castrated to sever our uh, our pineal gland, also, which is the real thing. People don't get that. It comes back to the frequency of being grounded, you know, to the earth. This is why, uh, you know, for thousands of years, families have always gone outside every weekend and slept on the ground, went camping, went hunting, and live the ways of our you know our ancestors on purpose because you have to stay grounded in that same respect and if you mm -hmm. don't ground yourself in that respect literally to the frequency of the earth and that resonant frequency again like i said it throws everything out of whack everything from the clothes that you wear wool linen and if you look like i said i hate to say it when you talk about the bible it even talks about this in every bible for the religion that it corresponds to they give you these ingredients to help to prepare your food, the, sh the clothes that you should wear because of the frequency. It's a neutral frequency, wool, linen. They knew these things, cotton. They understood you have to wear these in neutral frequencies. It keeps you grounded, keeps you in harmonic balance with the earth. And, and like I said, they were able to now manipulate this on such a scale that they can control us and uh and like i said use these ailments against us knowing that you know you want granny to feel better you're gonna work your ass off to make sure granny feels better mm -hmm. you know and uh and you're gonna do anything they say and that allopathic medicine is designed to counter these common you know th you know centuries old remedies that are you know ancestors understood on a whole nother level and that's homeopathic medicine allopathic medicine allopath allopathic medicine is I, I can't even say it right right now um he said that is the pharmaceutical industry taking the copyright uh of these medical establishments in the 1930s any medical book that was we have what's called the Merck Manual. We have the Tabor, Tabor's Medical Dictionary. Uh, all of these 
medical manuals that were released after the 1930s were all tailored towards this new allopathic medicine where, you know, the Rockefellers had made it a point that we're going to try to make medicine out of oil and these different things and this innovation, you know, we're going to cure these things when in all reality what they were doing is they were taking medicine they knew was going to make you sick and creating medicines that'll make you feel better for the symptoms that you would get from the medicines they wanted you to take and it was absolutely insane to ignore and then buy the copyright patents you know for these specific words they copyrighted words as where cancer comes into play so that you can't claim that this cures cancer because if you try to use the word cancer they own that word you owe them money it has nothing to do about whether it can do it or not it's the fact that they own the word so you can't use it and that is where that all came from and how it became a thing so they also own the homeopathic remedies they copyrighted all those words so then you have to use you know, different names, you know, in order to try to circumvent, you realize that they got you boxed in and there's no way that you could even try to make it a point without, you know, like I said, having someone come at you with these, you know, very common ancient remedies that, again, should be protected under tribal law, you know, and uh, and I believe that's a loophole in order to go against this medical aristocracy that has ensued is to be able to use you know if 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 they can put a casino on your land to illegally gamble and bypass laws that way and financially profit off it why can't we reverse this and create a medical establishment that is based on homeopathic medicine instead of allopathic medicine and counter the narrative you know what i mean and use it that way yeah so i'm gonna put out something that's you know, I'm just going to <clears throat> throw out an idea just from my own layman's kind of um, casual browsing of <clears throat> the, you know, people's thoughts about the subverting of health care and the energy industries in terms of, uh, you know, like electrical power home heating and those kind of things. Um, my hunch is, is that between the years of 1900 and 1930 was a time of when there began that takeover of the energy industries and the, you know, like in terms of uh, personal transportation and the medical industries of turning them towards this ultra-controlled, kind of corralled system. One of, the, one of the things that I see, I saw looking at YouTube one day that kind of uh, jogged my memory on this was I was watching um, Jay Leno's Garage, and he, he had a car from... It was... It was in the 19-teens. It was like a car from 1915, 1916, around there. And it was an, an electric car. And <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a dumbass here because I'm not, you know, big on engineering. But he was explaining how this car works. 
and he had it all restored and the battery that the car ran on he's explaining so you know when you're when you run the car for a while and you need to uh, refill the components what you do is you open up this compartment and you fill it up with water <laughs> and you yeah. fill up this compartment with water close that up and so that you know uh you know, contributes to the reactions with the different metals in there. And that's, and he, he explained it. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not real technical minded. I can't remember how he explained how it worked, but the basics was, was it had a battery that ran on water and this car was, you know, made to get someone around town. And so there's things like that in the medical industry that I feel like around that time, maybe I might be ignorant just because I'm not a scholar on these things, but it does seem like around that time was the last moment of a free, uh, a free market on medical and energy technology. We'll get into some things about the energy later, but the medical stuff I kind of want to touch on first. Oh wait, you're coming through real low. I, I can't. I, oh, there. There oh, we go. Can you hear me? Oh, now, now it's okay. There we go. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't really hear any of that before. Uh, yeah. The uh, wait, what you're specifically referencing, I, I believe, has to do with the, uh, the branding of the word virus. That there, at that time, it was widely accepted that there were exosomes that your body produces in response to coming in contact with chemicals and, uh, and toxins, whatever they may be, and that, uh, uh, and that they instead, they, the Rockefellers, Roosevelt's, the administrations uh, that had proceeded, that they had created this framework. You remember when Congress moved back then and when governments acted, it took years to see the results of what was going on. So with that ideology in mind, you know, it, it takes decades in some cases back then because of just how long everything takes to implement and to understand that the Rockefellers knew that they had this turning point, you know, in, 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 in the century uh, where they could, uh, at the turn of the century, they could literally control the narrative through the medical schools using the medical establishment in the same way that the Soviets used, uh, you know, the medical establishment to imprison political opponents using mental illness to weaponize that against them as a political ideology. Just go, oh, they're crazy. You're going to put them in a mental institution. They like to, never mind. But the point is, is that in that same respect, they realized, okay, well, not only can we control politicians, we can control the people through fear, and we can create this spooky thing called a virus. And uh, and like I said, this is where my understanding, I wanted to, during the pandemic, get some of the medical uh, books that I had lost uh, just through deployments and moving and whatnot. And at that time, my ex-wife, she, uh, she, you know, she had saw some of the things that I already had. So she 
made it a point to look for some and i specifically because i i read anything and everything that was around me when i was in the military every manual you name it if i i i had i was like i said most of my time was in the the medical field so you know unless somebody was getting hurt or doing something stupid i didn't have much to do you know thankfully and so i'd just read everything around me and point being is that uh i had uh uh, my PA that I did my residency under for uh, when I when I got to Ranger Battalion, he uh, he made it a point I had to go in uh, and pick out a word every single day and write it on the chalkboard in the Tabor's me- medical dictionary from like 19. I think that one was from like 1995 or something, 1990. I was it was it was old, but. You know, it wasn't that old, but the point is, is that uh, I had to do the definition and whatnot. And uh, my platoon sergeant, he uh, had made it a point. He's like, you know, you, if you really want to learn about medicine, you need to get a one of those older uh, Tabor's medical dictionaries before the uh, before uh, uh, the medical establishment was commandeered. And he was a good old Florida boy and he knew his stuff and he started talking about uh, just how uh, the, the words and definitions that I'm learning, you know, are, are commercialized and branded and taught me a bunch of different things about how our medical establishment worked and, uh, and, and it took me on this whole path. So all of my medical books that I bought during the pandemic are all Pre 1930, and they I got uh, I even got uh, one of the little doctor's manuals uh, pocket books that he would keep uh, Merck manual that he would keep in his own pocket to uh, take on house calls with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got uh, 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 different pharmacological books, natural you know homeopathic remedies uh, that you know drawings of flowers you can derive medicine from. You know, of course, you got to remember this is back. In the day when you know dentists use cocaine to numb your teeth when they did dental surgery on you, you know, so uh, these uh, these books were worth their weight in gold, and I literally take them everywhere I go. I do not have them on me right now, but they are back at my at my house. And point being is that uh, those manuals they really provide a chronological uh, timeline of how the wording changed where it changed why they changed the narrative and so while everyone was trying to research their latest mrna genomic sequencing vectoring yada 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 which you know i mean i got lost in some of that too and i just realized you know i'm like man i need to take it back to the basics you know and so that's when i started going through these different manuals and i and it provides this whole like i said breakdown of how they were able to take free energy things ideologies that we understand today now that are becoming you know mainstream viral on you know these TikTok trends uh you know and they're taking they took that knowledge that was readily available like that electric car and they suppressed it because they realized they could make more money off of oil and then when that ran out they could you know they could fall back on the rest of it and uh, but it, everything else since then, like you said, it's been controlled, highly condensed into 
format that's you know digestible just enough for you to understand it but not enough for you to profit off of it or question it to be able to make you know your own determination like wait a minute this doesn't make any sense we we, we had electric vehicles since the early 1900s that means there are a lot of other things that we don't know about that they will never tell us about just like the same thing there were engines that could run off of just oxygen they could run off a of biofuel diesel uh, you know, renewable biofuel, which is, it's stinky, it's nasty, but I mean, unless you're racing in a, you know, in a, a high performance engine, if you're just getting from point A to point B to feed your kids and get a, you know, job and, you know, make it through the mud and the snow, you know, bio, biodiesel, you know, something that would make so much sense, make so much more sense considering we are such a consumeristic society that biodiesel, biofuel would just make it that much more simpler for all of us in a clean energy you know, uh, mindset and renewable energy, but they don't want to do it because again, it's bullshit. They know that, you know, like I said, that oil compared to electric vehicles, what it takes to make that electric battery, the child slave labor required, and, you know, the damage that it does, the minerals that are being derived and, and allocated to these batteries, that, again, they could run those batteries off of water, but again, they'd rather make money off of the dirt they can just dig in, you know, and and use that and and, and as filler to you know, bypass, you know, these things that, again, have been patented for a 100 years, and you can't touch it, you can't do it, because they own it. And if you try to invent something like that, they come at you, there's literally cases, there's guys on the internet that are showing how they converted their entire engine to running on water, and the government has came in and confiscated their shit, because that patented technology, you can't have that, you can't do that, somebody owns that patent. And that's the way that it is. And <clears throat> there's two, okay, so there's two kind of branches that I've been thinking about with what you're saying is one of the, um, one of the things you reminded me of is I think some of our, our listeners at least will have seen, um, there's pictures that different anthropologists have taken and studies that they've done on, uh, you know, uh, people that are from cultures that didn't have much contact with European uh, peoples. And right. I'm, I'm talking about dentistry and, uh, the, you know, uh, dental health. There's kind of a little yep. bit, there's a, there was a meme. There's a, there's a little bit of a infograph that was going around on different places here and there showing how, the uh, people from these cultures that um, I'll, I don't know how to put it, but eight really primitive diets, eight really simple diets that were just, you know, from their surroundings had no issues with teeth in terms of needing braces, you know, needing dental surgery, uh, needing anything, yep. anything more than really traditional uh, forms of teeth cleaning, like with, uh, you know, real simple implements. And the reason I bring this up is because I actually, um, it's, this is always stuck in my mind because my grandmother grew up uh, in, uh, Taos, New Mexico. 
And so she was born in 1944 and she still, she still remembers um, people mostly using horse and buggies. I mean, she, I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, um, I'm not going to use her name because, you know, I don't want to put her into what we're talking about, but it's important that I mention this because this is something that has really influenced the way I think about things was that she didn't have any medical or dental records until she was married in like when she was, I think, um, I think she got married when she was 19 or 20. So she didn't, she completely didn't ever go to a dentist or a doctor until she was an adult. And so over the years, I kind of learned about, I kind of heard bits and pieces about uh, what things were like for her growing up. And she really experienced a life without um, even electricity. I mean, she spent some time when she was young, you know, living in the, the Pueblos, the traditional adobe houses that they had there. And, oh, yeah. And she's told me about how they even had things like um, traditional chiropractors and that there was different. They had, they had a variety. This is the thing that now that I think about is kind of uh, interesting. They had a variety of medical practitioners in their community. And going back to the dentistry thing, she, my grandmother has to this day, some of the best teeth I've ever seen of anyone. And her, her teeth look the way that teeth look in that meme I was talking about, about people that were in cultures that had no contact with modern civilization. And so uh, going back to what we're talking about, about the pharmaceutical and health industry being hobbled in our, our modern day, I think there's been a big effort to ignore the problem that processed foods do to people and that there's right. probably generations of people that have been born with defects and issues because of the fact that they've been fed diets that they were that their parents were told are okay. Right. Um, right. And, and subjected to, you know, experiments too with, again, like when you understand the significance of just what's been divulged by like the United States government and what they've done with experimentation on people, the food is so much more worse because again they've created these loopholes where again long as they you know put it on the label you know it's it's our ignorance against us if we were dumb enough to consume it then you know and so they literally have weaponized our own ignorance against ourselves on purpose through the schools you know and uh and then you know figured out ways to profit off of our misery through ailments you know and because again they can tax it you know just the same thing with like uh the tesla towers that you know you see in these old pictures where you know there was this technology that you know whether you you know say it's alien technology or an advanced ancient civilization of time travelers you know that are 
you know, a fallen angel, you know, from a fallen angel civilization that would be alien at that time, you know, and understanding that there is literally these projects that have been revealed that our tax dollars paid for, even the expedition to Antarctica, you know, and that there, you know, that there is evidence that they found statues on Antarctica. Well, Antarctica is a frozen fossil. It, it, it is literally a timestamp in time that would obliterate, you know, uh, the entire narrative that we have been fed and will corroborate centuries of ancient texts that prove, you know, that there was this advanced civilization that was ruling the show and that, uh, you know, that everything that happened since then, we have been spoon-fed, you know, a controlled narrative to, you know, take away our spiritual connection to this earth and, you know, how to spiritually connect, you know, like I said, from simple things like grounding your bed, you know, I, it's, I don't suggest that somebody just goes and grounds their bed. It's a really actually intricate process. You have to put up, uh, uh, it would be easier to do with an antenna that has a dampener, like a lightning rod dampener that's built in, that's manufactured, that you offset to the side so that if it gets struck by lightning, nothing in the house gets struck, you know, and electrocuted. Um, and, uh, uh, and so it's uh, a technology that is hard, it's, affects us you know our hum, our harmonic balance uh our homeostasis with our you know this it's homeostasis at our cellular level and uh being able to like i said harness these ancient technologies that they knew that they knew were beneficial from frequencies that again you know some of this music under the you know under the guise of First Amendment free speech, they're allowed to say things that you're not allowed to say in a classroom, you know, so why is it allowed to be on our airwaves perpetuating more violence when there is technology out there that proves we should all be driving around listening to 428 hertz, um, you know, to, uh, 428 hertz uh, to 600, I, I See, I just but they're gonna get me in the comments. They're gonna be like, he doesn't know. It's like 427. <laughs> I can't remember what exactly the hertz is. But the point is, is that there is one resonant frequency that is in line with meditating, and it is known to have a of that frequency reverberates through your cells and literally will kill any infected cell. Uh, that's where the meditation, the hmm the chanting and the praying when you're praying and you're singing you're singing up a specific frequency and so the point is is that these things that we're being subjected to they affect us they can make people crazy just the same as tinnitus and you know ringing in your ears now imagine that mentally you know that you can only hear and they know this you know and they can do this and exploit it in a way to control you, manipulate your own mind just by the things that you hear, let alone the things that they can manipulate that you think you see, you know. And uh, and so that perceived reality, you know, they're able to script it every way in every possible way and then make you feel like shit in the process. So you go to the doctor now and are prescribed the medicine that they intentionally have created to not make you 
not heal you, but to make you feel better temporarily, you know, until that toxicity builds up again. And then whatever you've been exposed to makes you sick again. And uh, like I said, and it's just this perpetuating profit uh, machine that they have literally conducted on a massive scale when they know that if they just made sure we all had the right diet, gave us the right proper information on what we should be allowed to eat and should not be allowed to eat, you know, uh, and what they, you know, he said from the simple preparation to your, of your bread to the way that that free water is uh, not really free because you're paying a price and you don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, <clears throat> if we're, we're talking about, um, you know, suppressed tools, you know, suppressed tools of humanity, uh, frequency and sound technology is definitely something that's been, you know, it seems like they've been, uh, you know, using every effort they can. They, I'm just talking about they in terms of anyone who controls information and technology, but frequency, sound, and vibration technology in terms of being able to, we touched a little bit on it with 5G and, you know, yeah. high wireless technology, but um, that is where the Rife machine, that's how like 5G even how I understood the difference between 5G, the brand internet speed versus five gigahertz, the modem Wi-Fi output frequency radio, you know, signal versus 65, 60 gigahertz to 65 <laughs> gigahertz, where the power required to do that, what it does to your body, the Rife machine was a device that was patented it's patented now and again it can use frequencies to target specific things and they knew this they knew that cells reacted to different frequencies and that different things happen depending on intensity mm -hmm. uh duration and so that's why whenever you see these tests you know on certain things you know like when it comes to 5g and the safety testing that they performed on ophthalmic cells and epithelial cells over 24 hours continuous exposure you don't get that these 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 guys they're the the money oriented in their findings and their research and so it's designed so that when that study the reason why it's capped at 24 hours you know is because at 25 hours is that when cellular genomic de degradation starts to take place so they're like but no no you're good for 24 hours okay but what happens at the 25 hour mark why didn't you go 48 hours why is it only your eye cells and your skin cells mm -hmm. you know and to those of us that are educated in this field you know it's like wait a minute we're not stupid we know that okay that study was done this way on purpose to get those results instead of getting a real broad abstract overview they were condensing it surgically to manipulate the results so that it could be packageable for the fda to be lobbied and now it's evident that there was money taking kickbacks and it's just continued on and on and we're just supposed to bend over yeah Terrifying. what i uh, keeping uh putting out a line back to the ancient technology topic um there was there was two different things that popped into my mind now that we're talking about this is that i saw a video about um a it was a video of a guided tour in, I'm pretty sure it was Peru, where this 
this native tour guide was um, taking these people through and showing them these um, stone ruins that were places that people went for um, not just prayer, but for meditation and different kinds of rituals. And uh-huh. I, I wish I could, I wish this is like, this is something I, I saw a long time ago, but I wish I could, I'll, maybe I'll try to look for it after the podcast, but um, I found it, I, it stuck in my mind because the tour guide kind of casually mentioned that these sites were places where they engineered in to the architecture ways of amplifying you know, um, different kinds of energies coming out of people who were in meditative states or, uh, you know, condensing, uh, you know, uh, energies that were in what, you know, people would call the, the ether or the aether, you know, the kind of, um, the, um, that, I don't know how to put it, you know, like a, a way of condensing energy in, the earth's field. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that so that same grounding technology. Yeah. So I, what, what my hunch is, is that things like that, along with a lot of different other uh, instances where there's evidence of ancient peoples having this uh, vibrational and frequency based knowledge of how to manipulate materials. To me, that right. points to the idea that that kind of technology has been rediscovered and mainly used in a weaponized form and that it's creative and, you know, potentially healing uses are what's being suppressed guaranteed and and then their objective is again like i said they they everything comes back to being taxed there is a syndicate that believes that they are obligated to your money and that they get to decide how to spend it and even if it's against your beliefs or your heritage or your ancient track you know traditions they're mindset is that profit margin and only a means in which to make money off you by taxing you. And like I said, and they can commercialize it, politicize it. If they can't, then they're going to weaponize it. Why? Because again, their ultimate control is power. And that is through all of these things, being able to harness any means in which for you to be viable on your own and literally intellectually castrating you and then dismissing those that recognize it as mental illness and it's terrifying and then those that cope you're just a drug addict and it's terrifying because those people are the ones that are realizing what's taking place and then they don't know how to cope with it they don't have the positive reinforcement for stress reduction you know techniques and they don't understand the way that this is designed to manipulate every aspect of your very being at the, you know, literally, you know, your every being of your fiber and you, whether it's your family members, you know, and, and so to understand this and try to wake people up, you know, it's, it's terror. It's terrifying to understand that it's literally a concerted effort 
to make anyone that talks about this crazy, a conspiracy theorist. And then if you look at the literature and then you realize that this agenda is evil because it actually circles back to these ancient traditions that have been written about proven to be true and again now we fall back into these you know these same parallels where we're going to be put in a box based on these beliefs instead of just understanding that we we all had ancestors that understood that at a there was going to come a time and at a point that you know we were going to be manipulated into believing some things that may not be true but they couldn't prove it because again they're not going to give you the education to overthrow them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And someone mentioned to me the other day whether we're going to talk about flat earth, but uh, flat earth is a good example of just that, um, you know, not that I endorse that whole idea, but there is a complete fabricated reality that you're born into. I mean, I hate right. to, I hate to go into the, you know, the schizo playbook, but the Truman Show, the Truman Show right. is a good example of not, you know, like just, you know, if you bear with me, like look past the idea of it being a movie about a guy living in a fishbowl, but right. the the basic premise of it, I think, is applicable to everyone in the world their experience growing up in these the last hundred years you know because like like i said you're born into something that's artificial and the only the only groups of people that are not born into this are people that are living completely outside of every system of industrial society you know, there's some right. nomadic people in, you know, rural China or Africa or northern Russia or South America. You know, there's people that are completely outside of this. But um, but people are born into a artificial reality. And maybe after a while, people yes. can... can um, understand what they've been told and kind of make their own um their own uh, ideas about it but uh so one let me uh one other thing that i want to touch on before i forget about it was um you know we're talking about i was talking about the idea of the time of the early 1900s being the beginning of a lot of the psychological operations on people in North America and in, and in Western countries. And I think the, the international drug trade seems like it had its, its, its main uh, push and beginnings in that time period from the early, you know, from 1900 to the 1930s. And, and before we, when we took our last break, I kind of mentioned that uh, one of the excuses I heard for why on, say, Native American reserves, why the organized drug trades can't be stopped or clamped down upon is the idea that there's, um, that if there, these groups are funded and controlled by 
international organized crime that local tribal governments don't have the jurisdiction to deal with them. And potentially, supposedly even the Canadian federal police don't have the power to deal with these groups. And <clears throat> so, so basically my point was, was that uh, since international drug trade has, you know, gotten to such a point that it's, like I said, being used as a tool of warfare, I mean... Are we going to have to avenge, I, I don't know, I'm just throwing ideas out there. Are we going to really have to just deal with a massive reduction in population because of this issue? Is like, cause I, I can't really see any way of, of especially like, you know, there's no citizens groups that can, that seem to have the capabilities to eradicate these groups right well it's uh at the core level if you understand the trafficking angle just through human trafficking and organ harvesting and that that they perpetuate each other you know in a way that it, it feeds the demon and it continues on it's a and it and it's something that they look at as a necessary evil you know same with the you know the the fentanyl and those overdoses you know they look at it as a problem that's solving itself unfortunately like i said which in the same way with when it comes to abortion it's the same ideology but they can profit off of it and that is the angle that people don't really anticipate when they start talking about it and that's where the vacuum gets in you know that's where the vacuum in the the debate comes into play for abortion because you don't realize that when those aborted fetuses are discarded they're not just thrown away they literally piece them out piece part them out to the highest bidder for research at universities or for cosmetics products or mm -hmm. and so it becomes this domino effect where no matter which angle you try to approach it from there is a highly organized concentrated effort that's profiting from it on a scale that is horrific and then you really really it depresses you, it hurts you, it makes you realize that there are people out there that will do anything for any amount of money, no matter what, even though it's against our beliefs, just as, you know, as a common decent person, understanding that they purposely want to now extend abortion out as late as possible so that if they can get a fully intact baby fetus, the things that they can do, if they can get one that's still alive, are you kidding me? You don't even know what that's worth, all right? And that's what these people are. That's what they do. This is where you have to understand. So you want to talk about that same medical establishment that would hire grave robbers to get them fresh bodies hmm. to steal, to experiment on, okay? these This is the people we're talking about. Well, this is their heritage. This is their foundation. This is where they come from. This is the things that they did in the name of science, all right? Robbing graves, all right, to do what they now make massive amounts of money on. It's the same thing. It's just this next next incarnation of that same scam where the, again, it's on a massive scale and it's terrifying. And it comes back to, again, that 
the fentanyl side of it, when you talk about the early iterations of even in America and the, at the turn of the century, uh, the early iterations of the <clears throat> political dynasty, the Roosevelt's, all right, uh, Woodrow Welt Wilson, if you understand those administrations, they were highly involved in the opium trade on the Chinese River and did this in a not only a way for them to profit off of it, but then China looked at it and took it kind of personal, thinking, okay, well, you're trying to poison our people, but, you know, they had opium dens, yada, whatever. Moral of the story is, is that those same families then came into the lead, you know, came into their positions of power through that drug trade, right? And so those were the same levers, again, through the Rockefellers, that all of those play into one another when it comes to this control network that, again, they had every angle labeled, ready to go, and they know exactly where to uh, tighten the strings, you know, for us to where we have to, you know, react as puppets to their edicts because we got no choice. We've been funneled into these corners. We have no economic means out. They do it on purpose and they control every money supply as it is. And when I say they, again, like I said, they, 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 it's not any particular network. They all are involved at a level, again, that, that our tax brackets can't understand. We can't even access where they go because, again, they have helicopters, they have airplanes, they can go wherever they want. Right? Mm -hmm. And that is by design. So you, you talk to the common person who doesn't even have a passport, it's never been out of their state, let alone another, their country. What are they going to know? You know, what are they going to understand? And that just those simple things by traveling, you know, and being in a, a echelon of society that, like I said, has access to anything they want, wherever they want, whenever they want, and they can pay for it and do it at will with no thought to what it does to us. Again, these are the same people telling us we've got a climate change, give us your money for climate change, as they fly in on these big debts, you know, and it's like, okay, well, if you're going to put your money where your mouth is, why didn't you walk here? Why didn't you come here on a bike, you know? Uh, <laughs> It's the same ideology, and you can just look. It's not what they do. It's not what they say. It's what they do. And uh, and like I said, it all stems back to this whole control mechanism. Yeah, let's uh, let's maybe start wrapping up with one, maybe a good last topic that I I wanted your thoughts on is that um, something that I've been trying to tell people whenever they'll listen to me is the fact that history itself is one of the biggest tools of control. And, yeah. you know, when people say that, I mean, you know, I mean, as long as you can get people to believe some kind of narrative, that's a form of mental control that, um, I think there's a big distinction between people that can, entertain the, that idea and people that have just have no time for it and they can't they can't even approach the idea of uh going back over and you know reconfiguring <laughs> their viewpoints on history and things that they were taught because 
you know, most people don't want to think that their high school, college, and university education wasn't really worth anything in terms of actual knowledge and understanding the dynamics of the world they live in. And of course, I'm probably going to get hate from someone for saying that, but that's just that's just what that's just what how I. It happens. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I understood uh, if you're if you're only given part of you know a scenario or part of a situation how can you fully understand it if it was designed to leave out key parts that could connect to other you know sentiments and uh ideologies that have been considered heresy or blasphemy you know and we're in a day and age now in the information superhighway uh era where you know if you try to confer about any of these things, you can use it as a pretty good gauge of where we're at, whether you're right or not, is if you get censored, shadow banned, if you're not allowed, if you're not allowed to talk about it, then, you know, it's the same as the old adage that, you know, uh, to learn who rules over you, simply figure out who you're not allowed to criticize. And, uh, and so in that same respect, you can, apply the social media censorship in that same way where you know you're over the objective if you're being silenced that means it's a win you you countered their narrative and you were able to figure out where the cushy sweet spot was in the middle and then keep poking at it because that is where it, it gets them and i think that's what we do best is that it's by those questions we don't ask, you know, I'm sorry, it's by the questions that they don't ask on purpose is where we ask those questions instead to counter that narrative. And the fact is, is that that's where the whole free speech aspect, you know, to cover us legally, you know, Mm -hmm. if we posit a question in a manner that is genuinely inquiring about that specific topic while insinuating a particular uh ideology that's how we're able to insulate ourselves you know by asking those questions in a smart manner with their legal uh vernacular in mind to counter that vernacular uh not with pejoratives but with facts you know and uh to understand you know back to your your earlier point that uh if if we don't start to counter that narrative now, they're going to change history and just rewrite it. And we won't be able to do anything about it unless we make it a point to understand that, again, that's why we're doing what we're doing in the first place. So that no matter how they try to fabricate history, the Mandela effect, whatever, mm-hmm. there's been so many you know, confounding things, proving multiple realities, you know, uh, crashing into one another. But if it, if you understand that that's by design and, you know, and that, you know, they want you to go crazy instead of attributing some of these things, you know, and like I said, understanding for me personally, when I, you know, understand religion and understanding the various different religions, 
you know, and realizing again that they have purposely in every aspect of every religion, they're all guilty. They purposely have kept stuff out that proves that it's just their version of the same story, you know, and it's crazy. It's terrifying that that comes back to the whole thing where they literally have now commercialized water something that you think should be free, which should be free, your rainwater on your roof is now commercialized, weaponized, politicized against you just so they can tax you. And then that same respect, that that's what they've done with every religion. They literally did the same thing in that same way and profited off of it instead of, like I said, and tailoring it and censoring it to apply to them and them only to make sure that they could funnel the money to them instead of talking about, hey, well, you know what? Those guys over there, they kind of have a similar story. And it's just like yours. No, my guy's name was this. And he was from here, you know? And it was like, but does it really say here, you know? <laughs> and next thing you know, you realize that they're all telling the same story. And it's like, Wait a minute. Why would they do that? Oh, yeah, to make money. That's why. To make money. And it's crazy. It's terrifying. And meanwhile, for us, you know, to explain that to a quote unquote boomer, you know, uh, you know, like, ah, half the stuff in the Vatican, why is it separate from Christianity if they weren't trying to just tailor it to a specific narrative? Wait, that, that doesn't make sense to you because that kind of makes sense to me because. Other than that, why would their better version be better than this version? And then you realize again, like I said, it's all games. Yeah. Unfortunately. When uh, <clears throat> I'll just uh, end the podcast on a little note is when you're talking about that, that's one of the reasons why uh, one of the groups that I've always identified with is Orthodox Christians. Especially the yes. really the really hardcore ascetic types, because I feel like yes. those are the type of people that can um, have identified what what the core is that scriptures are pointing towards. Yeah, and they never, uh, you know, put books or you know the words ahead of the actual spirit of what you know, people need to connect to, to be a complete right. human being, if that's the best way I could explain it. And exactly. so let's, uh, Beautiful. maybe let's, uh, end the podcast here. And I know we didn't really get, get everything in <laughs> that we wanted to get, but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll try not to make the episodes too long. And, and just imagine we were going to talk about recording our pre-shows. That'd be a whole nother two hours. Yeah, no, I, I know that we haven't, uh, just for everyone listening, I know we haven't had uh, an open show for a bit. We haven't had a show where people can uh, just come in and comment on. But we are planning to eventually have shows that are open for people to just come in and, uh, you know, share what they're thinking about or have you know an open forum but uh yeah those are that's part of something that's in the works and uh or submit counter uh articles uh stating you know your your uh your proof your research and uh because we want to have debates here 
you know, uh, I don't want to debate on whether it was 428 hertz or not. I mean, I'd like to know which one it is. That would be awesome. But I know it was there and there was another one and my brain's fried at this point. But the <laughs> moral of the story is, is that uh, we want all positive feedback and contributions and uh, we want to be able to then therefore take those articles and create a show specifically tailored to that and then work from there and uh and that's why that's how we separate the difference between the other entities that are trying to control something that should not be controlled and should be free to everybody and i want to thank you dylan again for making that possible well thanks a lot will i really you know, you've uh, really given me a lot of uh, help and been a big source of energy for the podcast. And I really appreciate all the the soul bearing that you do and the laying out of your, you know, what's going on in your mind. I feel like it's, you know, I feel like it's gold. It's valuable that you're willing to uh, share this with me and uh, yep. Yeah, thank you, everyone who is listening, and uh, the official site for the podcast is nobodiesnews.com, and that's spelled n-o-b-d-y-s-news.com. And so, you if you go on there, there's a link for the Discord. If you want to go in there and chat, and we eventually have uh, times where you can, um, you know, uh, chime in on the podcast. And also there's links on there for uh, emailing us, for submitting an article. Um, there might have been issues with us not getting emails. So if you sent some submission in through the email on the site, um, I would recommend if you haven't heard back from me or anyone to, uh, maybe try joining the discord and, um, inquiring there because we're going to eventually set up multiple places to submit things. But, uh, yeah, we're still in the beginning stages of everything, but yes, thank you everyone. This has been nobody's news podcast number three. And we will see you again soon. All right. You have a good night.